those words never forget. I want us to consider that this morning as we begin this, this service. We've gathered in this place, obviously, to gather around the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it does us well. History has spiritual significance, and we do well to remember it. We do well to, uh, to heed the, the, the call to action in those two words, never, never forget. I don't know if you remember watching on TV that, that cool, fallish, clear September morning when uh, you got the word, and you probably remember where you were standing, I do, certainly as a 17-year-old young man in school and being called to watch as they set up a, a TV and watched even the second plane go into the towers. And, you know, suddenly everything that was certain in our nation uh, became very uncertain. I remember walking down a, a gravel lane uh, near our school and just wondering, you know, our, <laughs> what's going to happen by the end of the day? Uh, do we expect more attacks? America was under attack on our soil, which was a difficult thing for us as Americans. And on that day, nearly 3,000 souls died. And they weren't all Americans, but many Americans. And we owe it to them never to forget what happened on that day. I want you to consider something. The things we should never forget is that we as a nation have enemies that desire our destruction. We do. On that day, and though it's politically incorrect, 19 radical Islamic terrorists associated with Al-Qaeda and motivated by jihad hijacked four airplanes in the early morning hours of 9-11 to use them as suicide weapons against the United States and its people. Though we can look at our nation and we can realize there's much sin in the eyes of God and how all that translates into his judgment upon our nation uh, and the extent of that, I certainly believe that that's part of it. But they, they came on a suicide mission against the United States and its people. Do you remember two of them striking the World Trade Centers? One of them striking the Pentagon. A fourth one was bound for a location that they really don't know, but still intended to be used as a, a, uh, a suicide weapon and uh, as a, an instrument of war against the United States of America. Those planes were loaded with fuel and with passengers just like you and I. Consider if you had been on one of those planes. We have enemies that desire our demise. By the way, shall I just say right now, we have enemies without the desire our demise, and we have enemies within that desire the demise of our country. And if you don't believe that this morning, your eyes are not open. We have heroes, though, on that day that were driven by love and by duty to rescue. I think of the first responders that uh, responded on that day. As New York Magazine said, the attacks on the World Trade Center towers resulted in, the, at that time, the largest concentrated emergency service response in American history. Yesterday at the 9-11 memorial here in Kettering, I got to meet uh, a couple of those that, that went to the World Trade Centers, drove through the night on, the, on the, the early morning hours of the 12th, and arrived there in the morning to spend nine days up there at the site uh, helping to rescue and then to recover. I think of the police that immediately respond. More than 2,000 New York police officers and Port Authority police officers secured the area. The firefighters, 112 engines, 
58 ladder trucks, five rescue companies, seven squad companies, four marine units, dozens of chiefs, and numerous commands and communications support units all gathered in, and they rushed in to that scene. As Peter Hayden, one of the division chiefs of the New York Fire Department, he said this, we had a very strong sense we would lose firefighters and that we were in deep trouble, but we had estimates of 25,000 to 50,000 civilian being in harm's way, and we had to try to rescue them. Think about the courage even within that statement. And on that day, there were 2,977 souls that perished on that day. Many Americans, mostly Americans, but many from around, the, uh, others from around the world. And you think that included in that number was 412 first responders. As we've learned, even from the days since, from the different dust and the different debris that was breathed on that day, there's many sicknesses that have well claimed uh, again that number, and it is continuing to rise even 20 years later among those that were first responders. While others rushed from the danger, the first responders rushed into the danger. Friends, our culture who is saying defund the police and be against the police is, is absolutely a, a ridiculous thought. It ought to be rejected, especially by people who understand that God is a God of law and God is a God of order. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. They demonstrated, though many probably did not know Jesus Christ, they demonstrated the heart of Jesus Christ, which is to give up one's life out of love. Heroes like Todd Beamer, we should never forget, uh, aboard uh, American Flight 93 that had been hijacked again by four of those Islamic radical terrorists. After hearing about, on a phone call, after hearing about the World Trade Centers and the attack on the Pentagon, he realized they needed to regain that plane. And so with the help of his fellow passengers, they ordered themselves and they, regained that, uh, they, uh, they sought to regain control of that plane and at least frustrate their efforts and you remember the words that he, uh, he spoke out? Are you ready? Let's roll. Do you remember that? Let's roll. There's a book that's written about that. Let's roll. And because of the heroes, civilian heroes on Flight 93, that plane never reached its, uh, its war-intended destination. Heroes. These are the heroes that we should never forget. You know, we say, well, this is, this is something that we shouldn't have as part of, uh, of church. You realize that First and Second Chronicles is a book given of history that God intended for the, the, the Jews that were returning to their homeland after exile. And he says, I want you to remember some things about history. We do well to remember history in our country. There's something else we never forget. I'm not naive to the fact that there are those gathered, maybe have gathered for years inside of a church like this, who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or believers who have gathered who have forgotten the fact that we all have an enemy of our soul. And just as those were physical enemies that desired our, our country's demise, there is a real and ever-present spiritual enemy, and his name is Satan. The Bible tells us in John 10 and verse number 10, the thief has come, but to, to steal and to kill and to destroy... Jesus told us that we were to be aware of his tactics. We were to be aware of his plans for us. Jesus later said that, that he, uh, obviously Satan is, is the one that is energizing and, and, and tempting people, luring people into a broad and wide way that leads to the destruction of hell. 
And God told us that we need to be uh, mindful of the fact that, that there is a judgment day coming, that there is a judgment, and that God has uh, the power to cast those who have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ into a place called hell. But Satan lures our country. Satan lures. He, you might be here this morning thinking, you know what, I've come here and so I'm good. I'm in church today. Listen, Satan wants you to think that way. The Bible says that Jesus, saying of himself, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How? By his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And his death taking our place, the, sin, the death we deserved at the cross, he took it there so that we didn't have to die the death that we deserved for our sin against the holy God. How loving is God to offer his son in our place. He was buried for three days and nights, and he rose again bodily. Bodily, he rose again on the third day, proving he had conquered sin, death, and hell. And because of this, Jesus Christ now offers to every person who will believe, including you, the eternal life that only he can give, life more abundantly, yes, in this life and eternal life in the life to come, but also the complete and total forgiveness of sins. The total forgiveness of sins. That's rescue. What a great rescue we serve. For God so loved the world that he gave, say it with me, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice this, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, rescued. What a great rescuer. What a, indeed, a first responder. No one else tried to save your soul. No one else, Jesus Christ alone. But friends, as I speak to this audience, I gave that yesterday to a God that gathered at the 9-11 memorial, but I have a burden for this audience here today. And it's in my next point, don't miss it. There's something we should never forget. We should not forget the day after 9-11, 2001. We should not forget 9-12, 2001. You remember waking up on that day with a sobriety about life? With a sense of urgency? With a sense of, I don't know what's going to happen. I better serve the Lord while I have time. I better hug my wife. I better be right with those around me. I better love my children. I better speak out for God. You remember the sense of urgency on that day? You remember the sense of unity? I went back and watched some of the video clips of, of the Congress all gathering together on the Capitol steps. Do you remember this? And singing the national anthem all together, including Nancy Pelosi and others that, uh, that now in our country are, that are running a radical agenda. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Even in 2019, they all gathered together and they said, they sang together on the Capitol steps, Jerry Nadler and the, and the rest, uh, all the Congress together, God bless America. Do you remember that? Interesting. There's unity on that day after 9-11. So much love for country that flags sold out. People were flying them everywhere. Let's put them on our windows with those window clips. You remember that? We were flying them from our cars, and guys with big trucks were flying them from their, on the backs of their trucks. And you, know, you still see some of that today. There was, there was a love of country that was renewed. There was a, a renewed love for one another. We weren't at each other. We didn't care whether someone wore a certain brand or, 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 or had a certain skin color. There was a unity that came together on 9-12-2001. But you know what else happened on after 9-11, do you know the very next Sunday, do you know what happened? People came to church. 
People came to church, and here is my message for us today. According to studies that were done that lasted for about one week. Friends, we live in a culture that, that gets energized by a crisis, will shape up their lives. Oh, God, I promise. I promise I'll do better. I promise I'll serve you. I promise I'll follow after you. But as soon as life gets a glimmer that it's returning back to normal, as soon as we figure it out, we're going into Afghanistan to get after these folks that came, um, came and attacked us, and we're going to, to um, fight for freedom. As soon as we saw that, hey, we're responding well, people are doing the right thing, we just went back to normal, including believers. And the revival that we hoped for would come at God shocking our nation with a terrorist attack against us, allowing God allowed that. We think we're invincible. We are one, one attack away from being obliterated. We've seen over this last couple of weeks, we, we, are just, we are just one election. We are just one move away from losing freedom and losing our way of life and, and things being uncertain. Is it going to wake us up or is it just going to wake us up for a week? Are we serious about God? Are we listening to the voice of God in this day? Are we looking at the world and we're saying, listen, they should listen to God? No, judgment begins at the house of God. The revival that is needed in this nation is in rooms like this. The revival that is needed in this community is Grace Baptist Church to be revived and to be on fire for God. Mark Shave said people thought that this type of crisis of national significance would lead people to be more religious. It did, but it was very short-lived. There was a blip in church attendance, and then it was back to normal. There's the old song, that is a gospel song, I've been stirred but not been changed. Stirred but not been changed. And you know what? That happens every single Sunday in churches just like ours. We get stirred by the truth, and then we go and live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday unchanged. What is God going to have to do to wake you up to awake to righteousness and sin not? For some have not the knowledge of God. What is God going to have to do in your life? You know what you're wrestling. You say, Pastor, this is an oppressive mess. We must remember and not forget. This is what happened. But we see history repeating itself and repeating itself over and over again as we continue to not remember what happened in history. There were believers just like you and me that came into a church like this after 9-11 and we were, oh, I'll serve the Lord, I'll follow him, I need to be about his business and then back to normal, back to normal. Like the children of Israel, we are. Galatians 6 and verse number 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Our country is not just walking away from God, it's running away from God. It is running. It is throwing God off, as you, we learned in our growth group this morning. Our nation, above all other nations, has drifted away from God more rapidly and more in a more pronounced way than any other nation in the world, away from religion. We are running away from God. This beacon that our president, George W. Bush, spoke about in that moment, it grieves my heart to realize we haven't set our foundation on God anymore. And as much as it hurts us to think, we are not a Christian nation. We were founded that way, but we are not a Christian nation right now. We are running away from God. It's time for the church of God to rise up and take seriously. It's time for us to stop hiding the gospel to them that are lost. 
Even as I preached yesterday and thought, you know, I'm here for a time to remember 9-11, but I, the words of Scripture rang in my ears. If the gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. God gave the opportunity to preach Christ. So where does it leave us, friends? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. You say, that's just to Israel. I realize they're his people, but I'm sure we're thankful God thought it enough to leave that verse in his word for me 2,000 years later or much later. That's for me today. There's no telling what a people group like this if we get serious about repenting of our sins, and I'm talking about the sins that you've covered for years upon years that no one knows about and that you've been covering and is, is a clog in your drain. It is a clog in your, your, in your gas line. You have no power with God because you've been covering sin. That's the things that we need to get taken care of. That is what God uh, calls repentance and revival. That's what we need. We need to get back to God. We need to get back to God. And he gave us the prescription and so right now, as we, as we go forward in this moment, I want to call us all to private and silent prayer. And I encourage you, as I, I do from time to time, I encourage you, if you're able, find your knees. And let's take time and talk to God. God, I'm here in this place today. I don't want to just be stirred. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want your word to, to dominate my heart today. I've come to church. I need something. I need you to change me. And if there is a, a sin between you and God, today is the day to be right with God. Today is the day to come out and be clean, to unload the truck, to deal with it so that you can go on with the power of God and be a light in this nation and be a revived believer walking into your workplace even tomorrow. Let's find our knees and let's pray in an attitude of prayer and then we'll come together and ask God for his blessing upon our nation, which only will happen if our nation turns back to him. Would you bow? Would you find your knees? Our Father who searches the hearts and tries the reins, we realize that nothing is hid from your eyesight. Lord, I pray that you would search us and know us and see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, you told us that if our light be hid, if our salt be saltless, that the world is the victims of that. Lord, you've also helped us to understand that sin and the lack of abiding in you is what leads to saltless lives and lightlessness. Lord, we need your forgiveness. Lord, we need your forgiveness for pointing at the world and all of its problems and its rush away from you and complaining about it. Lord, we need to look inward and allow you to change us and forgive us for being a part of that. You have set us here as beacons, as reflections of your light. And Lord, far too often we, we have not awoke to righteousness and we do sin. And so people still have not the knowledge of you. Lord, we want your blessing upon our lives. That blessing, you told us, only comes 
It only comes as we are walking right with you. Lord, as we come before you like an Isaiah and see you high and lifted up as the holy, holy, holy God. And then to realize that if it were not for your mercy, we should be consumed. And Lord, you desired to, in that moment, purify Isaiah, and you did through your word. And you desire to do the same for us. Oh, God, help us to accept that. Lord, we want your blessing upon our lives, but far too often we don't want the process. Forgive us for that. Father, we, as ones here in this nation, we want you to bless our nation, but we know in our heart of hearts it doesn't happen apart from you being the centrality of our nation. Lord, we're rejecting our all over our nation is rejecting you. It's painful to watch. But God, we still, we still pray that you would send a great awakening, that you would bring us back to yourself, that you would be our guiding light, that you would be what we look to as a, as a nation. But God, I'm convinced that it's going to happen through bodies like this being real with you and being right with you and being right with one another. God, forgive us for being a contributing factor to the demise of our nation by us sealing up and and living lightless lives, saltless lives. Forgive us. Change us, Lord, we pray. Give you permission, Lord, to work in this service. You've gathered us here today. We need you. Oh, do we need you. Lord, I pray with the prophet Habakkuk, in the midst of wrath, I cannot help but see your hand of judgment on our nation right now. In the midst of wrath, would you remember mercy? Would you still save souls through our witness? Would you still send out missionaries through our church? Would you still enable us to be a part of what you promised to do 2,000 years ago, and that to build your church as we sacrifice and as we submit ourselves to you. God, would you do it? In the midst of wrath, would you remember mercy? Would you send a great awakening? Lord, would you awaken the younger generation to the reality of who you are? Would you awaken the older generation that they still have a purpose to declare your works to this generation? Would you send a great awakening so that truly one day you could bless our nation again? Oh God, we pray this. Amen.